Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not set your hearts on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Thanks so much, uh, Sarah, uh, for reading that for us and for sharing about Christianity uh, Explored. Uh, my name's Carl Denick. I'm one of the pastors here. If you're joining us for the first time today, it's great to have you here. Uh, and we're thinking about the fear of disaster. But as we come to turn our minds to that, let's uh, ask God in prayer that he would help us to understand uh, how he meets our fears. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that uh, you do speak to us, that uh, you've made yourself known uh, in the Bible, you've made yourself known through Jesus, uh, the Jesus who we meet in the Bible who speaks to us, uh, who's spoken in those words that we've just read. And Lord, we pray that as we reflect on those words now, that by your Holy Spirit, that you would speak those words right to our hearts and that we would uh, understand who you are uh, Lord, that, w that we would see your grace, uh, which meets our fears, whatever they might be, however great they might be, however scary they might be, Lord, that you meet us where we are. We pray these things for Jesus' sake. Amen. Uh, what is your uh, worst nightmare? Uh, I have a habit of saying that everything is my worst nightmare. Uh, it's a bit of a kind of, I have a bad reputation amongst uh, friends for always saying, oh, worst nightmare. Spilling a cup of tea, worst nightmare. Uh, you know, being late for an appointment, worst nightmare. Oh, I planted a uh, courier, which is an Australian native, outside my office window. I thought that'll be just perfect, just outside. I can look out my office window and I can have a look at it every day while I'm sitting at my desk working. It's dying. Worst nightmare. It's called catastrophizing language. Uh, that is uh, it, it turning kind of 
you know, everyday things really into worst nightmares. And uh, I'm just about the worst at using catastrophizing language. Uh, And while we might joke uh, about what is our worst nightmare, there are some things, aren't there, that are not like missing an appointment, uh, not like uh, spilling a cup of tea, that really, when we think about them, when we think about the fact that they might happen, they set us on edge. We can get really worried. They, uh, as Jeff said before, they can occupy our minds when we wake up in the the middle of the night. Uh, Some things really are genuine worst nightmares. Uh, They're real disasters that can have enormous impacts on our lives or the lives of those around us, those that we love. Last year, we all lived through maybe an unimaginable nightmare. Who who would have seen that coming? Uh, And we're still living through it. COVID has disrupted uh, almost everything that we could possibly imagine. It's brought to an end Air travel, as we know, it's cancelled holidays, it's closed businesses, uh, maybe it's made some businesses fold. It stopped families from visiting each other. Uh, I was supposed to be preaching at a friend's wedding in a few months' time in Germany. We've been planning that, looking forward to that for a couple of years. It's not going to happen. And my friend and his fiancée, I'm not even sure whether or not they'll be able to have a wedding with more than a handful of people. Germany is in the state of... uh, is in the middle of a very hard lockdown. It's not the kind of wedding that they grew up dreaming of. Uh, It may not be a worst nightmare, but it's a significant nightmare, isn't it? And if it's not COVID threatening to bring disaster, then it's other things. Uh, Some of the responses that people gave when we asked them this question, what are you most afraid of? Some of the responses that people gave were things like, my dad... Uh, Donald Trump, bullies, harm to innocent lives, climate change, politicians, things I can't control, the future, pain, being kidnapped or abducted, the Chinese Communist Party and what they're capable of. And to that list, we could add all kinds of other things. For the last few decades, more and more people have been increasingly predicting the end of democracy. Democracy is on its last legs, they say. So is capitalism, our economic systems. So is the West. Now, some, none or or all of those things might be true, but how do we live in the face of those possibilities? How do we live in the face that those things might be true? One answer to that question is eternal vigilance. Uh, You might have heard the saying that the price of freedom is eternal vigilance. But that is a really exhausting idea. Uh, Imagine trying to protect yourself uh, and your family and the world that you know by trying to remain constantly vigilant. Uh, It's an idea that the media tries to sell to us. They convince us that we need to be constantly informed of everything that's going on in the world so that we can make sure that nothing bad happens. You've got to know, you've got to be on top of it, and if something happens, you've got to be there to protest, to be an activist in order to fix the world. We have to hold everyone to account. It's an exhausting idea. It is 
literally exhausting. It's an idea, I think, that's gained uh, kind of prominence uh, since the First and Second World War. The idea goes, in the wake of those uh, world disasters, the idea goes that if only we can stay on top of what's going on in the world, we'll prevent that from ever happening again. We can prevent the rise of totalitarian governments, uh, of, of Nazi regimes, of communist world powers. We can prevent that if just we, can, if we could just stay vigilant. But we can't. It won't work. It's exhausting, it's impossible. We can't keep on top of everything. And even if we could remain constantly vigilant, there are some things that we just can't stop. Some things that we can't fix. Some things that we can't see coming. But in contrast to eternal vigilance, Jesus gives us a much better way. And that much better way, he says, is this. Do not worry. Completely opposite extremes. Eternal vigilance, worry about everything. Or do not worry. And he doesn't just say, don't worry. He gives us three concrete things to do. Three concrete responses to worry. He says, instead of worrying, here are three things that you can pos positively do instead. They're not sort of three options that you pick one of, whichever one suits you the best, but they're all part of a package deal. Jesus says that we should consider, that we should seek and that we should sell. First he says we should consider. What is it that he wants us to consider? Well, he says we should consider God's provision. He says, look at the world around you. Uh, look at what you see. Consider the birds. Consider the ravens. Uh, they, they're not sowing crops. Uh, they're not plowing up the fields with heavy machinery. Uh, they're not going out to harvest and to store all the things that they harvest up in big barns so that when things go bad... They'll have resources. Uh, they don't stockpile toilet paper uh, just in case something goes wrong. They don't have 12 months of canned goods uh, in, the, in the cupboard for the zombie apocalypse. But God feeds them. God provides for them. They have everything they need. Well, look at the flowers. You, you couldn't get any less productive than a flower, could you? Like they really, they don't do much except just sit there. They just sit there. They've got no capacity really to positively engage in the world, to kind of think, well, what am I going to do today? Uh, how am I going to get my nutrition today? They're completely dependent, aren't they, on everything that happens around them. Uh, they don't do any of those things like sow and harvest they don't control when the rain comes. They can't build dams to make sure that when there's a drought, they've got enough water. And yet, every year they burst into flower. Except I plant outside the window, generally speaking. They're cared for, aren't they? And they're wonderful things to, to, uh, to look at, to see, to enjoy. And Jesus says if God cares for those things, those those forests, uh, those, those flowers in, in meadows, uh, if God cares for those birds, if he cares for all those things, then how much more does he care for you? 
a friend of mine uh, and his wife recently had a baby and about the same time they got a puppy. Uh, and he asked his wife when, the guests, when they had some guests around, he said to his wife in front of the guests, which one do you like more? The baby or the dog? Uh, and you know, he was having a bit of a stir, but the guests were, <laughs> were a little bit horrified that he was asking that question. But the answer is obvious, isn't it? Which, which one do you, do you love more, the dog or the baby? Well, of course, it's, it's the child, isn't it? And in the same way, if you were to ask God, God, what do you value more, the flowers, the birds, or a human being, someone made in your own image? The answer is obvious. God cares about you and me, but of course... We don't really believe that, do we, in, in, in our daily life? We see God looking after those things, the plants, the birds, the animals, but we think to ourselves, he might look after those, but he won't look after me. You and I are more precious to God than a bird or a flower that's here today and gone tomorrow. And yet we see God provide for those plants and animals and we worry that he might not provide for us. Well, Jesus says, see that, look at that, and don't worry. Jesus' view of the world is radically different to uh, the secular worldview. The secular worldview uh, or view of the world is that it's survival of the fittest. Uh, if that's your view of the world, then your life quite obviously will be full of worry. If life is about survival of the fittest, then your life will be weighed down by all kinds of concerns. You have to do it. You have to win. You have to provide. You have to survive. You have to solve the problem. You have to escape the natural disaster, the earthquake, the flood, the bushfire. It's up to you. You have to fix the illness. You have to protect your children. You have to do it. No one else can do it. It's up to you. It's exhausting. Survival of the fittest is exhausting. And the truth is that in most situations, it's stupid. You can't control it. You can't control the world. You can't control whether your house will burn down in a bushfire or through an electrical fire. You can't control whether another driver will run a red light on your way home this afternoon and, and smash into the side of your car. You can't control what happens in your child's life. You can't make everything work out the way you want it to work out for them or the way that they want it to work out for themselves. You can't be there all the time. And even if you can be there all the time, you can't stop bad things happening. If your view of the world is survival of the fittest, you'll be exhausted. But Jesus says in the face of that, don't worry. Jesus can say that because he recognises that the world does not operate on that basis, survival of the fittest. The world operates under the care and provision and protection and love of God. God will provide and God will care for us. You don't need to run after, Jesus says, what you'll eat and drink or wear the basic necessities of life, you don't need to run after those things. God will provide. God, <coughs> God knows that you need those things. <coughs> now, 
Now, that doesn't mean that uh, we will always have all the things that we think that we need. A disaster may still come. Uh, it, we can trust that God will provide, but we may not always have what we think we need. But we can know in the face of that, we can be absolutely rock-solid confident that God cares and that God will provide. So are you worried about disaster? Are you worried about uh, what will happen to your children? Are you worried about your job? Are you worried about how school will go this year? You know, how, what, whether you'll pass the exams or get the right grades? Are you worried about what people will think of you? Are you worried about the world economy? Whether it will all collapse, whether your business will collapse? Are you worried about another world war? Jesus says, if you are, what should you do? He says, go and take a walk. Go and look at the world. Go and look at creation. Consider. Don't just look, consider. Think about the birds. Think about the flowers. Think about all that God's made and think about how he keeps providing, keeps caring, keeps giving. Consider how he provides for a tiny little ant or a bee. And think about the beauty he's given the world as well. The world doesn't just sort of make do. But the world that God cares and provides for is a beautiful world, a wonderful world. Even in the midst of the tragedy of the world, the echoes of God's goodness are louder than the echoes of our human depravity. We just need to open our eyes, Jesus says, to see those things and to consider them, and they will strengthen our confidence in God. Even if disaster strikes, God knows what you need. So we need to consider. The next thing Jesus says that we need to do is to seek. He says in verse 31... But seek his kingdom, and all these things, that is all the daily necessities of life, all these things will be given to you as well. Uh, if God knows what we need and is able to provide what we need, then the most sensible thing to do is to not worry. Uh, to not worry, but not only that, it's to seek God. If God knows and if he can provide, then we should only, not only not worry, but we should seek him. So imagine that you need something, you need food. Uh, you don't have any food to survive, you need food to eat. And you know that your parents, your mum and dad, have the food that you need. Uh, and all you need to do in order to get it is to go to them and receive it. They have it, you need it, they're willing to give it. You just need to go to seek it out and to receive it. But instead of seeking it out, imagine that you don't do that. Maybe you can't be bothered. Uh, maybe you just want to do it for yourself. You want to solve this problem yourself. Uh, maybe you want to keep your parents out of your life. Uh, and so you don't want to have anything to do with them. The Bible says that's what many of us are like with God. 
We need it. God has it. But we don't go to him to receive it. But Jesus says, seek him, seek God. Seek him out to receive what he freely gives. In particular, Jesus says, seek his kingdom. Seeking God is not just about seeking a person. It's not just about relationship. It is about relationship. That's at the heart of what it means to come to know God. But God's kingdom is not just a relationship with a person, but person, but it's also a place. God's kingdom ultimately is uh, the place where God is with his people. In the, in the Bible, that's finally the new creation, the world restored and put right. Uh, Jesus says, seek out that. Seek out God and this place with God in God's presence under God's blessing and rule. The, the Bible describes uh, that new creation, if you like, God's kingdom, as a kind of homeland uh, to which all those people who put their trust in Jesus belong. It's, it's the country of our citizenship, if you like. Uh, last year, uh, quite a number of Australians were stuck overseas and many still are stuck Overseas, Someone I know was telling me about a situation where a friend of theirs uh, had gone to Canada just before COVID and when COVID had broken out, they were stuck in Canada. And, well, certainly at the end of last year, November, December last year, they still were not able to get back. They were not really, it was very difficult for them to, to get back to Australia. So they had been stuck in Canada for nine months or whatever it was. Their homeland is Australia, but they're living in Canada and they can't get home. And Jesus says it's really a bit the same for those who know him, who put their trust in him, those who belong to God. This is not our homeland. This is, this is Canada. <laughs> uh, we're not at home. There is another place that we belong to, our homeland is the new creation with God, living with God in his presence under his blessing and rule. But we're not there yet. And like those people living in Canada, waiting to get home to Australia, that shapes the way that you live there, doesn't it? If you're stuck in Canada for nine months you're not going to live in Canada the same way that you live when you're at home. You know, you're not going to be renovating the house. You're just going to be renting. Because sooner or later, you're going to have to pack up and come back home again. Things will be different. You're going to live differently in Canada than you will in Australia. And Jesus says, that's how we're to live. We live here as though we don't Belong. We're waiting to get home again. We're waiting to get home to that place with God. That's important because doing that will radically reshape our fears. Uh, uh, if you trust in Jesus, if you belong to him, then you won't be so worried about what happens here. To put it bluntly... If you're living in Canada and waiting to get home to Australia, 
you don't care if Canada goes to the dogs <laughs> because you're waiting to get home. You're not worried about what happens because you're just passing through. And Jesus says it's the same for us here. If our homeland is in, is in the new creation with God, then we won't be so worried about what happens here day by day because we know that we won't be here forever. Instead of worrying about what might happen, you'll just get on with living for God. Knowing that the future is secure, even if you can't guarantee what will happen today or tomorrow. So, if China cancels all trade with Australia, uh, and the Australian economy slides into recession, and no one can find jobs, and you know people can't pay off their mortgages, then you'll think to yourself, well, I'm not here forever. My place is with God. If Donald Trump comes to power again, if that's your worst nightmare, or if America descends into civil war and China and Russia and North Korea take the opportunity to wage war in different parts of the world, even if all that happens, you'll think to yourself, well, you know what? I'm not here forever. My place is with God. If the world can't stop climate change in time, or the Australian coastline is lost into the sea, or if our food supply is drastically uh, reduced because of drought and, uh, and, and environmental impacts, even if all that happens, you'll think to yourself, well, I'm not here forever. My place is with God. If the vaccines that are being distributed by governments around the world turn out to cause debilitating lifelong illness, you'll think to yourself, well, I'm not here forever. My place is with God. Seeking God's kingdom will radically reshape your worries and your fears. That's Jesus' way. What's the alternative? The alternative is to worry about everything. To worry about every disaster and try in every way to avoid it. But Jesus says that's stupid, it's pointless, because worrying can't add a single hour to your life. You can worry about keeping the kids safe, but it won't keep them safe. You can worry about passing the next test, but that won't make you pass it. You can worry about... Uh, whatever disaster you might worry about, but it won't save you from that disaster. And even if it does, even if by some miracle you worry about it and you, and you manage to avert disaster, even if you manage to do that, it won't save you from the next disaster. You might escape war to be claimed by famine, escape famine to be claimed by cancer, Escape cancer to be claimed by global financial collapse. Jesus says worry is pointless. It achieves nothing. Instead, seek God, seek God's kingdom. We need to consider God's care. We need to seek God and his kingdom. Finally, Jesus fires both barrels and he tells us to deal with fear in maybe an unexpected way. He tells us to deal with fear by giving things up. This last instruction of Jesus is maybe the most important and the most peculiar uh, of them all. 
He says in verse 33, Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus gives, if you like, some very practical advice about how to deal with worry and fear. How do you stop worrying about disaster or stop worrying about anything? Jesus' solution is very simple and very challenging. He says, the way you stop worrying, the way you stop being afraid, is to give things up. Now, that seems quite counterintuitive, doesn't it? If you're worried about how you'll survive, how you'll provide for yourself, the last thing that you're going to want to be doing is getting rid of things. But Jesus says, that's what we should do. Why is that? Well, think for a moment about what it is that makes us afraid of disaster. What is it that makes us worry? The answer is, more often than not, that we're afraid of what we're going to lose. We're afraid of losing our home, afraid of losing our job, afraid of losing our family or our lifestyle or our possessions or our life. And the more tightly we hang on to those things, the more afraid we become of losing them. It's a vicious circle. It's actually the classic way, to give an example, it's the classic way that people frequently destroy relationships. So they worry about their relationship falling to pieces. And so, because they're worried, they hang on to it even more tightly. And as they try and hang on to the other person even more tightly, they become more and more anxious and more and more afraid. And they suffocate the other person. And in fact, often, end up shooting themselves in the foot They end up destroying the relationship that they have so desperately sought it not to destroy. The more you love something, the more afraid you'll be of losing it. The more you have, the more there is to be afraid of losing. And the thing Jesus says that we're most afraid of losing is this life and everything that we have. And so Jesus gives us some very good advice to deal with that fear. He says, get your heart out of this world by giving things up. Get rid of stuff and invest in eternity. You're worried about losing it? Give it up. You're worried about losing your life, every, all your dreams, everything you've hoped for? Give it up. And you won't be worried. 
Invest in eternity. And you won't be worried. The less you have here, and the more investment that you make in eternity, the less worried you will be about what you could possibly lose. As the missionary Jim Elliott once said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So here's a very concrete step. If you're worried about life and about the world, if you're worried about what you might lose, here's Jesus' advice. Sell things. Give them to the poor. Get rid of them. And you'll be surprised how much your worry evaporates. And that remedy to worry is the same whether you're a Christian or not a Christian. If you're not a Christian, you need to do the, same, the, the very things that Jesus says here. You need to consider God's care, that he loves you, that he cares for you. You need to give up everything that stands in the way of receiving God. Give up your possessions, everything that you own. Give up your very life. And you need to seek God's kingdom. If you're not a Christian, that's the way that you deal with worry. By considering, by selling, by seeking God's kingdom through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the same remedy if you are a Christian. The way that you deal with worry if you are a Christian is exactly the same as if you're not a Christian. The way that you continue the Christian life is the same way that you begin it. By considering God's love and God's care. By giving up everything. By continuing to give up everything. And by seeking God's kingdom in Jesus Christ. For Christians too, we can become worried about the world and the future. And often that happens when we become more and more invested here. But Jesus says, don't worry. As someone who belongs to Jesus, don't worry. God's kingdom belongs to you, so remember God's care. Seek his kingdom. Sell what you have and store up treasure in heaven. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, we want to acknowledge that all of us worry about life in one way or another, um, in different ways, Lord, not all of us worry about the same things uh, or in the same way. Uh, and Lord, we don't always worry about uh, things all the time. Some days we can be uh, very anxious and the next day we can feel uh, quite okay. Uh, but Lord, we acknowledge that all of us are bound to worry because all of us want to control our lives. Uh, Lord, we want to... Uh, make everything right ourselves, but we can't do that. And so, Lord, we pray you'd forgive us for that. Uh, Lord, we, we pray that you'd forgive us for forgetting that it's you who cares for us, and that is the most important thing in, in life. Lord, help us to remember that, and help us to seek your kingdom. Help us to remember that we're just passing through, that the day will come when Jesus will return and gather all the people who put their trust in him and gather those people into a new creation uh, made right through the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to live for that homeland 
for that destination. Help us to live as people who are just passing through. And Lord, help us to take seriously uh, the advice that Jesus gives uh, to sell what we have, to give up things, to distance ourselves from this life in some ways so that we wouldn't worry but that so that we would be invested in things that will last for eternity lord help us to do that we pray whether we're christians who've been walking with jesus for 20 or 30 or 40 years oh lord help us to do that if we're people who are not christians uh, and who have only met jesus for the first time today Lord, we pray it for Jesus' sake. Amen.